Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Brilliant. What I want to share with you uh, about this morning, I was uh, seeking God during the week. Um, I had a... um, I preached obviously last Sunday night. I wasn't feeling very well on Sunday, and um, and sort of deteriorated over the process of the week. On Tuesday night, we had a youth leadership team meeting, uh, which is a fantastic thing. And I, I just want to take a moment to say that our our team that looks after our young people here are a phenomenal bunch of young people doing an incredible job. Um, and. Uh, if you have teenagers in the life of this church, you know, anyone from grade uh, 5 to grade 12, get them along to the youth pra- program. It's amazing. These leaders are incredible, laying their lives down for the cause of equipping your children and your young people for their destiny in Christ. It's a really great thing. Um, and uh, uh, P.S., this little armband here is an armband for a thing we've got coming up called Winter Project. If you are a young adult or a teenager in this place or a young person, I would encourage you to get along. It's $25 for a Friday night and for a Saturday, we have a young man called James Ayton coming along, who's an incredible uh, young man of God who um, uh, was the Youth Alive director in WA. He's the son of a missionary, been through some incredible tragedies in his life and has managed to turn those things around for God and is doing an amazing work for God. He's about to plant a church in Manila. Um, and as a, as a 30-year-old man planting a church in a foreign country uh, with his wife and little baby girl, um, and he will bless your socks off. He's a great community. I would encourage you to get registered and get involved in that. That would be amazing. But uh, as we were gathered for this leadership meeting, I was seeking God, uh, Lord, what do, we, uh, what, do, what do you want me to share? Uh, we're always looking for the, the next phase, the next building block for what God is doing in the life of our church, in the life of our youth ministry, and, and what it's looking like moving forward. And I felt very clearly that God wanted me to speak on a specific topic, and it's a topic that is, is possibly much maligned in church. I think when I say the word about the topic that I'm going to speak about, there'll be different reactions in the place. There'll be some people that, oh, here we go. Your eyes will roll like a teenage girl when mum asks you to clean your room. Um, And then there'll be people that get really excited because this is your thing. It's your your pet subject. Um, And then there'll be people who are like, what's he talking about? And that's okay too. Um, but I, I think possibly it's one of those subjects um, which, which possibly we've done a disservice to over the process of, of doing Christianity and doing church over generations. And it's the subject and the topic of faith. Now you understand why it's important that we preach this thing together, right? Because there's, there's a faith when we do something together that's, that's, that's wound up and bound up in our unity as we do this together, right? So when I say faith, there's people that are like, oh, yes, brother, and they start the Pentecostal chit-chat, right? And then there's people, those people that stay up late at night and watch those or get up really early in the morning and watch those American televangelists, you know, I need your money, people, I need, and they're, they're rolling their eyes, right? Because that's not faith, and yet that's what we call faith. We've called faith the whole blab it and grab it, um, that, that theology that says, just speak it out, brother. God wants you to have everything that you want to have. And then we struggle to reconcile that with a realistic worldview that says there are starving children in the world, but He wants you to fill your private jet. I'm not sure what's going on there. 
And so this faith that's been masqueraded about the places being faith, well, if you're not getting healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. And if you're not doing this, it's because you don't have enough faith. And, and, and if you just had more faith, this would happen and that would happen. And I think that there's been a doctrine that's evolved over time in church where we've done a disservice to what essentially should be a core principle to how we do this walk with God that we do that we call Christianity. And, and the problem is, you see, um, in the 15th century, there was a proverb that was a German proverb that was written. And it's, it basically it didn't say this because it was in German, but it said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And it originated from a time where uh, the whole family would have a bath once approximately every six months or so in the same water. Yuck, right? I felt a little bit sick coming up. Um, so, so dad would have the bath first and then uh, the older children and then mum and then the last person in the bath was the baby. And by then, the water was so muddy and so dirty that the danger was a realistic danger of throwing the baby out with the bath water because you couldn't see the baby because the water was so scungy. Yeah, Exactly. I don't know how clean you would get bathing in something like that, but that's where, that's where the proverb kind of originates from, right? In Christianity, I feel like faith is the baby in the bathwater, where we've muddied the waters so much with all of our false doctrines and, and underst- misunderstandings about what faith really is. And we've got the, the left wing and the right wing and there's people out here who are saying, you know, faith is just holding on grimly and desperately. And, and, and then we've got the group out here that's saying, faith is, you know, if you want a Ferrari, you just say, God, I want a Ferrari and you'll have it if you've got enough faith. And somewhere in the middle of the tension of those two things is actually what faith is. But because it's too hard to figure out which way, one or the other, we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And in the process of that, we lose our connection to the source of our power, as it were, to the source of our connection to God in a supernatural relationship with a supernatural God. Faith is the connection that connects us to Him. And without faith, we're a lion's club doing good works with no spiritual connection. Without faith, we miss the mark of what called us, God called us to do. Without faith, I kind of feel like maybe we would be the, uh, the people who stand before God and say, but we did all these great things. And God says, yeah, but I didn't know you. There was no connection. There was no faith attached in there. You did stuff that I wanted to do and you were kind of in the mix. Maybe the problem there is that you think you did it. I don't know. But it's, it's faith that connects us to God. And so as I'm crying out to God, I'm saying, God, how do I communicate this idea? And He gave me some thoughts. I want to share them with you this morning. I pray and I hope that it will expand your understanding, expand your understanding of what faith is and cause you to, to, to step into a new season of embracing faith in its fullness, which will then connect you to a power source that will take your walk with God to another level. Yeah? That's exciting, right? Fantastic. Fantastic. I like you, Moggy. Can you just come with me everywhere? That'd be great. He makes me feel good. <laughs> the first point I want to share with you this morning, obviously, if you want to go to the shops and buy milk, you know what a milk carton looks like, so you know what you're looking for. Yeah? If you want to go to the shops and buy a loaf of bread, we know what bread looks like, so we go and we find the bread and we purchase the bread. The problem is that we've confused the definition of faith so much that when we go shopping, we don't know what we're looking for. 
So half the time you wouldn't know if you got it or not. I think I got faith. This is what I thought it looked like. I, I, I stand in church and I, I, I say all the prayers that people tell me to say. Is, is that faith? I, I, I believe that God heals and so I didn't take a Panadol when I had the headache the other day. That, is, that, is that faith? The problem is you don't know what it looks like so you wouldn't know if you had it. So I want to help you. First point, point number one. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things yet unseen. Which is a really cool little phrase and a wonderful cliche, but what the hell does it mean? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, that's delightful, but what does that mean? And, and I feel sometimes our, our, our interpretation of the Bible and the way it's been translated doesn't totally do justice to the thought that sits behind some of these scriptures. And uh, the Greek word, because the New Testament was written in Greek, the Greek word for uh, substance, because substance is the word that kind of sits there and makes me, it's like an oxymoron, the substance of things hoped for. Well, things that are hoped for are not yet happened, so there's no substance. So that, uh, how does that work? Well, the Greek word used there, and I feel like the more accurate translation is actually the foundation or the structure. So the foundation of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. When you say it like that, it kind of makes sense, right? So faith is the foundation of the things that we hope. Now, what's a foundation? Well, a foundation is the first thing that you build when you build a house. Foundation is the first thing that you build when you build anything. You need to start with a good foundation. So faith is the starting point for anything that you're building. It is the starting point for everything that you're hoping for. And when you look at it like that, it makes a bit more sense. Faith is the starting point. It's, what happens if you get the foundation wrong? Everything you build on top of it's wrong too. I remember uh, Steve Hilder built uh, his own house. He was my old boss at one of my old jobs. And he built a house. And it was, it was like, I think it was like an inch and a half. One of the walls was slightly out. But because it was a really tall house, by the time he got to the second story, that, that whole little bit out had just kind of exacerbated the problem. And he had to actually tear the wall down and rebuild the whole thing. Because something had been wrong in the foundation. Something had been done wrong right at the start. And so if, if we don't have faith, at a foundational level, then everything that we build on top of that is not built correctly. And, and the, the most difficult part about this is that for some of us, it's going to mean tearing down some things and rebuilding. And, and that's always hard because our faith is such a personal thing that, that when we have to tear some things down, it gets kind of personal, right? But faith is the foundation for things that we're hoping for. It is the evidence of things not yet seen. Who here likes CSI? The show, the TV show here, CSI. Who's a fan? Go on, give me a wave. It's okay. You're not going to hell because you watch television. <laughs> I'm a big CSI fan. I love CSI. It's a great show. I watch all of the iterations. I'm about the, the new CSI Cyber one's about to come out. I'm going to check that out, see what's going on there. But um, the whole thing about CSI, right, is it's their job to go and to collect evidence. 
So they go to a crime scene and they get a fingerprint from here and some DNA from there and some this from over there and oh look that wire was cut and, and overall they form a picture and we get to watch as a TV show as they form a picture of what's actually happening based upon the evidence that they collect. Faith is the foundation of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things we haven't yet seen. Those criminologists have not seen the crime. And yet, based on the evidence that they collect, they are able to form an accurate picture of what happened in those scenarios. And for us, we have a Bible here that is filled with evidence. We have a life that is filled with stories of evidence that show and demonstrate the fingerprints of our God in and on our life, the fingerprints of His handiwork, the the divine God. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's clap. Come on. that demonstrate that His hands are upon stuff. And if we collect all the evidence, we are able to form a picture of who God is. And out of that, we are able to extrapolate and draw out and say, look, this is what God is doing. This is who God is. Why? Because I've got faith based on the evidence that is presented to me. I'm able to form an opinion as to who God is and what He's doing. Mm. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have the kind of faith that when you come up against opposition and go through bad times and struggle and wrestle with things and and are challenged in certain areas of your life, do you look at the evidence and come to the conclusion? And if you get the right conclusion on a CSI show, then you get a conviction, right? So if you collect the evidence in your world... And get to a right conclusion. You can form a right conviction. That's what faith is. But nothing to do with Ferraris and private jets. Jesus didn't bless anybody like that financially when he walked the planet. Do you see him giving people houses and cars? Partly because cars didn't exist at that time. But also, he didn't give donkeys away either, just quietly. (laughs) He didn't give people stuff like that. He addressed real needs. So based on the evidence... I can form a conviction. This is what faith is. Have you got that kind of faith? Have you got that kind of faith? Faith in the character of God as a culmination of the evidence of all the things that He's done. Faith as a foundation, as a starting point. This is who I believe God is. Before any circumstances happen, this is who I believe God is. This is what I believe God does. Now life, come at me. And everything else is built on a foundation of what I already know to be true. That's faith. Why do I need faith? Point number two, why do I need faith? Well, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it is impossible to please God. When we please God, we position ourselves in things like destiny and purpose. You know, we love to preach about destiny and purpose, about God's plan for your life. We love that. God's got a plan for your life because it makes us feel special. But God's plan for your life is to bring Him pleasure. Revelation 4, 11 says, We were created for His good pleasure. To do the things that He's anointed and appointed for us to do. And when you are in obedience, birthed out of faith, you bring pleasure to God. 
I guarantee you this, if you find a slot and a space in life where you're bringing pleasure to God, you will find your destiny in that place. You will find His higher purpose for your life. You will find fulfillment because you were made to bring Him pleasure. You were created for that space, that sweet spot. And when you hit it, you'll feel it. You'll feel the zone. You'll be like, man, I feel so fulfilled. I don't, you know, there's, there's still things that I want to see. There's still changes I'd like to see happen. There's more. But right now, I'm just in my zone because I'm bringing pleasure to God. I'm doing the thing that brings His heart joy. Why? Because faith. That's why. Why? Because faith. That's why. Destiny. And discovering your God shape is a faith journey. Whew, so what does faith do? Here's the here's thing about faith, right? So in Matthew 8, a Roman soldier comes to Jesus and says, can you heal this person? And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And he says, I don't need, you don't need to come to my house. I understand how this thing works. And Jesus says, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. There's another story of a lady who is persistent with God. And she says, even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from, from the master's table. And Jesus responds with, man, I've not seen faith like this. And on the flip side of the coin, there's a moment in a boat where a storm is raging and the disciples are fearful. And Jesus says, you have little faith. And then there's a moment one chapter after Jesus has finished feeding 5,000 people, he's faced with 4,000 people. Now, 4,000, you think if you can do 5,000, you 4,000 is easy. And yet there's a moment where the disciples question, oh, he's having to go at us because we haven't bought bread. You've missed the point. You missed the lesson in the first one. The lesson was, it's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have and who you bring. What you, you missed the lesson and Jesus turns around and he says, you of little faith, which just pricked my ears up to think that if Jesus himself was arrested by the faith level of people, then obviously it is something important for us to get our heads and hands on because if the Bible says that Jesus marveled. Now think about this for a minute. This is the creator of the universe who marveled at the faith of a man who said, you don't need to come to my house. I believe in your authority to just say what needs to happen and it'll happen. Which says to me, if we as a church could get a hold of that kind of faith, the kind of faith that Jesus marvels at, what we could see God do in this place would blow your minds. I want to be part of the kind of church where God hangs out all week. You wait for Sunday. You wait till that victory church mob. You, you wait to see what happens. This is going to be off the chain. He's calling the angels. Come check this out. These guys are going to come and they're going to bring faith. And we can literally do whatever we want to do based on the faith that they bring in the room. It's going to be amazing. And I can see him sitting there getting excited waiting for us to be gathered together because where there's unity, God commands blessing. And he's thinking, man, I'm going to give them such a blessing this morning. I'm going to do so much stuff. Because why? Because they came with faith. And I, and, and can you believe this? He marveled at the faith. I, I want to amaze God 
with our faith. I want to attract this attention with our faith, like blind Bartimaeus by the roadside, stepping out into a faith zone and God's arrested his attention because of their faith and belief. I want to be that church. I want to be that church. I want to be that place. So, so what does faith do? I'm glad you asked. If you've got your Bible, could you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? Time, time, time. Cool. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith positions you for the supernatural. Faith draws the attention of God. Faith is a well to draw from in dry times. Faith overcomes fear. Hey, James says, faith without works is dead. Faith can be seen. It has to have some kind of outworking. Have you ever wondered why and thought maybe it was a Pentecostalism or maybe it's just, you know, they're all hyped up, why we, um, why we shout in the praise pit? I'm going to tell you in a minute. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the confidence, the foundation that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in old uh, days of old earned a good reputation. Now, I'm going to read a big slab of Scripture here, but I need you to come with me now. I need you to engage your faith. And what we're reading from the Word should inspire and stir something in you. It should. Uh, there's a king called Josiah in the Old Testament. And when they began to restore the temple, they found some of the old scrolls. And as they began to read... He began to weep and cry because the word, the word's powerful. The word should affect us. The word should stir our faith. The word should change what's going on in an atmosphere. So I want to encourage you. Let's not just sit here and spectate in church. Let's, let's come with. We're going to read the word and we're going to stir some faith in this place. Are you ready? By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that we can be seen. Faith positions us to see supernatural things. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Faith affects what you give and how you give it. Not only that, but faith enables a man who walked this planet some 6,000 years ago to still be speaking in a church service in the north side of Adelaide today. There's something about what he did in activating his faith and we are still talking about it. You want to talk about legacy and leaving an inheritance? Try doing something filled with faith that people are still talking about 6,000 years after you're dead. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him, uh, wants to come to him must believe that God exists and rewards those who diligently seek him. Enoch went to another level purely because of his faith. Church this morning, if you want to go to another level, it's time to engage faith. You can't do it by working harder. You can't do it by sitting in the right preach. You got to engage your faith because it's faith that takes you to another level. It was by faith that Noah built a boat large enough to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes with faith. Faith brings righteousness. Here's the thing I noticed about faith as I read through the Bible. Every single time faith is engaged, it precedes an explanation. Noah, build me a boat. 
What's a boat? I'm in the middle of a desert. I've never even seen rain. I don't know what a boat is. I don't know why you would need one. And yet, because you said, I will. That right there, that's real faith. Real faith says you don't need to explain everything to me, God. If you want me to build a boat, I'll build a boat. And I don't care if I'm just building a big house in the middle of the desert and nothing happens. I'm still going to build the boat because you said to build the boat. And it wasn't just a moment of obedience. Tom was talking about the day of Pentecost, 10 days. 10 days is a good effort. 130 years, he built a boat in the middle of a desert while everybody from the community came and laughed at him. Now, if you look at Noah from the angle of being an evangelist, he was rubbish. 130 years and nobody got saved. Not one. In the end, he had to start inviting animals, right? It's literally that desperate. I see that poor. I see that poor. Ridiculous. If we're going to measure his success by his fruitfulness and his evangelist, he's rubbish. But if we're going to measure his success by his faith and his obedience to God, that he's all that in a bag of chips. So much so that he got in the Bible, right? I would like to live, I listened to this, I've got this Christian rap guy and his name is The Truth, D-A Truth, that's a real gangster. And, um, <laughs> but he, he says this, he's got this incredible song and he says, if the Bible was rewritten and the writer put me in it, I wonder how my life would read. Mm, I wonder. It's by faith. No one made his way into the book. He built a boat. He wasn't a preacher. We've already established he was a rubbish evangelist. But by faith, he pleased God to the point where he became the sole inheritor of a promise. God's great white hope. That's what this guy was. Through faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. It's only by faith that you get to inherit the promises of God. Frustrated in where you're at right now? Feel like you're coming up short of the promises of God? You need more faith. And I don't mean blab it and grab it faith. I mean step out of the boat and walk on water kind of faith. Faith without works, right? It's dead. You know, Peter didn't walk on water. Because you can't walk on water. Have you ever tried to walk on water? doesn't work. If you step out of a boat, you will sink. It is impossible to walk on water, but you can walk on a word. One word, you see, he had to say to Jesus, tell me to come. If you give me a word, I can walk on that because I can trust. My faith is not in the water and its ability to hold me up. My faith is in the word from the mouth of God and its ability to sustain me. You know, nobody walks on water. You walk on a word. You work on the fact that God called you. And at that point, the word will sustain you because my faith is not in the, uh, in the molecular properties of the water to hold me up. My faith is in the, the faithfulness of my God and His ability to complete that which He began. And if He said, come, then I'm going to get to where He wants me to go and I can walk on His Word where the water is unreliable. Sorry, I'm getting a bit excited. Even when He reached the land God promised Him, this is Abraham, He lived by faith. You know what? Faith is not a moment. 
Faith is a lifestyle. Faith is continually taking risks calculated upon a word from God to say, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I don't understand God. We've been fishing all night. Nevertheless, at your word. I'm going to throw the nets out the other side. That's faith. I've been toiling and, and this marriage has been bad for a long time, but nevertheless, at your word. My family situation has been bad for a long time, but nevertheless, at your word. I've invited that person to church like a hundred times, nevertheless, at your word. That, that right there, that's faith. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child, even though she was barren and was too old. Faith brings life where there is none. Faith will get you pregnant. Wow. Remember, faith without works is dead. So your homework, no. Um, <laughs> faith. I remember hearing a message years ago uh, by one of my favorite preachers, Bishop Jakes, and he talked about um, how there was a man who uh, uh, had uh, his brothers had all died and he'd end up marrying this, this lady and he didn't want to give her any sons. And so they had had relations, would be nice. And uh, the Bible says he spilled his seed on the ground. And the bishop said, all that stimulation and no impregnation. Picture of the modern church. Plenty of stimulation, but nothing's being birthed on the inside of people. If you want to get pregnant with something from God, then you better be in an environment that is potent with seed. Something gets planted. And you know what? How you get your womb spiritually in the right place, you get some faith. Faith is like drinking your raspberry tea. Anyway, never mind. I have four children. I know about this stuff, okay? <laughs> it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. In, in Genesis, I think it's chapter 33, uh, uh, the Bible says God tested Abraham's faith and obedience because faith and obedience are directly linked, right? If I don't have faith, I won't obey. God says, give some money in the offering, and I'm like ruled by the fact that I don't have much money, then my faith is not there to believe God for provision, and so therefore I don't obey because my faith is not enough to overcome my lack. Faith and obedience are directly linked. I have faith that God is able, therefore I'm obedient. And in this, in this scripture, we see that Abraham... Abraham offers up his son, and it says here, incredible, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Why? Why did he reason that? Never in the history of the Bible to that point had God ever raised anyone to the dead. The evidence of the character of who God is in honoring his promises. God had said, Isaac is the son through which your generations will come. And so the evidence as to the character of God gave him faith to believe that even if I kill this kid, God can bring him back to life because he's so faithful to his promises that he won't let me down. He will always follow through. That's the kind of faith we need to see. I'm going to jump over a bunch because the keyboard player's up, which means I need to wind up. Um, here we go. So verse 32, said, it says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people, you ready? 
By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses were turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the death. From, de- de- from death. It then goes on to say, and you know what? There was people who were stoned and tortured and killed for their faith. And the last verse says, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. The faith was not dependent on the outcome, right? The, the, the outcome is not your responsibility. That's God's responsibility. The faith, that's your responsibility. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. There's a unity that comes through faith that we get to reach perfection together because of our faith. Yeah? Last point. No good saying all that if I don't tell you how to get faith. It's good. We love faith. That's good. We, we've, uh, do we agree that we need more faith? So how do we get it? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It doesn't say faith comes by reading. It says faith comes by hearing. You want to know why we shout in the praise pit? Because faith comes by hearing. And sometimes you need to hear your promise out your own mouth so you can start to believe. So it gets deep down in your spirit. And as you hear the promises being declared out of your own mouth, it's going down into your spirit and building your faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Romans 12, 6 says, To each has been given a measure. God gave you a gift of faith. But you know what? Faith is like a muscle. And the problem with the church is our muscles are in atrophy because we don't exercise them. If you don't exercise your faith muscle, it withers and fades away. And what that might look like to you, I don't know. It might look like giving in an offering on a down week where you don't have the money really to give in an offering and you stretch your faith muscle. It might look like initiating a conversation with someone that you've never had a conversation with before, and I'm a little bit self-conscious about that. I'm not really sure how it's going to go, and I don't want them to think I'm a weirdo, and I don't know what this looks like. That might be your faith. But if you don't start exercising your muscle, you're going to lose your muscle. We talk about the the parable of the talents, the five, the three, and the one. I don't think you want to hand back to God the measure of faith that He gave you. I think you want to hand it back with some increase attached. And you know what? In order to increase your muscle, there has to be resistance. So you can expect every time that you go to stretch out that muscle, there's going to be resistance. Every time you try and lift some weight with that muscle, there's going to be something that comes against you. Expect it. It's going to happen. It's not meaning that you're not doing the right thing. It's actually meaning, hang on, I want you to build that muscle, so I'm going to put some resistance there so you've got something to push against because we need to build that faith muscle because I know where you're going and you don't know where you're going. And because I know where you're going, I don't know how much faith you need to be where you need to be. So we have to trust God, yeah? Jude 1.20 says, you build your faith by speaking in tongues. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, what an awesome opportunity. We'd love to pray for you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, you build your faith by speaking in tongues. That's what you do. 
You speak in tongues, you edify yourself, you build yourself up, you build your faith. That's what happens. Yeah? So if you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't speak in tongues, you're missing out. We don't want you to miss out. So if you need help with that, we'd love to pray for you. We want you to build your faith. And the final thing, and I'm done, sorry. If the band wants to come back, that's cool. It'll make people feel like I'm really coming to an end. <laughs> Oops, wrong page. Luke, here we go. Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 17, verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. Sounds like it could be relevant, right? This could be relevant to what we've been talking about this morning. Is that right? Yeah? Yeah? You might not like me after this. Just preempting, okay? Luke 17, 5. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. And Jesus answered... If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. And we stop there. What a wonderful, oh, bless Jesus. What a wonderful scripture, mulberry tree, just go. Pointless, right? Do we need mulberry trees in the sea for some reason? Um, I don't know. But everyone wants to stop there. And nobody wants to read the next verse. But I'm going to read the next verse. Please like me. Here we go. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. I'll just go back. Verse 5, the apostles asked, the question that they asked was, how do we build our faith? And the answer that Jesus gave was, you serve. Even when you don't get a thank you, you serve. You serve not expecting a thank you. You serve because it's the least you can do. Red. It's in red. Okay, so it wasn't me. It was Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to build your faith, you've got to serve. You know why? Because when you serve, it's easy to get offended and you'll need faith for that. You know, when you serve, it's easy to get upset with people and you'll need faith for that. When you serve, it's easy to get tired and run down and you'll need faith for that. Uh, when you serve, there'll be conflict with people and you'll need faith for that. And, and when you serve, uh, there'll be moments where you feel like uh, so unthanked and unloved and unwanted in the midst of your service, you, you'll need faith for that. We pray prayers, God, use me. And then he does. I feel so used. You should be saying, thank you, Jesus, you answered my prayer. I don't know. Who wants to build their faith? There's about three people now. I don't want to build my faith and do a serving thing, flipping no thank yous. What? How do you build your faith? Hear the word. We've heard the word this morning. Hear the word. Build your faith. Speak in tongues. Build your faith. Exercise your faith. It builds your faith. And serve. It's time to serve. It's time to get busy because faith without works is dead. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 